morning. Welcome to the Barn Sunday morning services. Explore your faith hour. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved by calling a number across the screen there uh, with your questions and comments. I do appreciate it. And good morning again, everybody here. Hi, y'all. Wow. Um, I want to talk about... But first, anybody have, I think I can ask this time, do they have any questions, right? Because anything goes today, right? Yeah, that's up to you. Okay. Anybody have any questions or comment for me before we get rolling? Because I ask that because I don't want you to come always just to get from me. I want you to come and bring to others because that's what life is all about. It's not about holding on to. It's about letting go of. Catching your breath and letting it go. You ever heard that song? I heard that song coming in this morning. You have never heard that song? Catching my breath and letting it go. (laughs) If you notice, if you want something really badly, the best way to get it is to let it go. And when you let it go, it shall be yours. But the more you try to get it, the more you try to get it, the less you get. And then when you finally force it to happen, you don't want it. You ever notice that? You know how you, anybody ever fought for a woman and just fought for her and fought for her? <laughs> you bought flowers for her, you took her to dinner, and yet she was acting like she really didn't care about you. And you just went for it, went for it, and then finally she caved. And now you don't want her. Have anybody ever gone through that? I have. I have made a fool out of myself like that so many times. But those that you don't, when you don't want it, they come from everywhere. That's how life is. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, so if you have a need for something, and, uh, and Jesus says, give your request before uh, to God and uh, expect that you shall receive them. Right. And doubt not. Um, so if there is a need for something, but in that need, you don't... Um, you make a request for it and you just let it go? Is that what is that? Yes. Okay. Don't think about it anymore. Okay. You know what's greater than a need? There's one thing that's greater than a need. And the Bible talks about it. And that one thing is a desire. If you have a desire, God will give you your heart desire. And by having that desire, the desire causes things to happen. Isn't that deep? Because we don't really know our needs. We don't know what we want. Whenever we ask God for what we want or think our needs are, it's always in vain. It's vanity. You know, it's selfish. But if you have a desire which God has put in our hearts, if you have a desire, it shall come to pass. I had a desire to start a school, and the desire was there for years. And I just knew I wanted to start a school. And then eventually the time came and it came to pass. A desire is better than a need because desires are already there. You ever thought about that? See, y'all not thinking. <laughs> the Bible talks about desire, doesn't it? Where is it in the Bible where it says he will give you your heart's desire? Have you ever read that? Anybody ever read that? What's wrong with y'all? Anybody here? This is like a fellowship. This is, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait for the mic. What I'm going to do is remember to wait for the mic for me, all right? But you could say that people have desires and they're not, you know, they're not right or appropriate, but you're talking about a desire from your heart. All desires from the heart are, are right and perfect. All needs are wrong because the needs are selfish. Oh, I need some food. I need some water. I need some love. I need a car. I need uh, a house. I need, I need, I need, I need, right? All that stuff is selfish because he's going to add that onto you anyway. But your heart desires are already embedded in you. But most people never lock into their heart desire because they don't seek first the kingdom of God. They're not committed to prayer and observation. So they never really know what their desires are. You can hear a lot of folks saying, well, 
I want to be a, a, a speaker. And that's not necessarily a desire. That is, could be a need because they saw someone else doing it. Or they heard that it make a lot of money. And so that become what they want. And it's not really what they need. It's not really what they want because that's not their desire. We all have a desire. And most people don't tap into it because they are so caught up with everything else. We, we are so not what we should be doing and thinking. It's mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely afro-mind-blowing. We're, <laughs> we're so far away from what God has planned for us and established for us because of we just we don't put him first. We halfway put him first. We halfway pray. We pray sometimes. We pray on the way to work so we can get that extra nap. Um, <laughs> when people are mad at us, we trip out. We start being mad at them. You know, just all kinds of stuff going on because we're far away from who we really are and who we should be serving. And that's what I want to bring you to. I want to bring you back to who you really are. Bring you back. Yes, sir. Uh, I was wondering, how does one person take, uh, take stock of his, desire, of his desires and his needs and determine whether or not they're good or evil? That's a good, good question. Isn't that a good question? Yeah. By not putting any effort into it at all. No effort at all. It'll come, you will come to know. You'll absolutely come to know. It will be given to you to know. Isn't that an interesting thing about the desire thing? And everybody focus on their needs. Our needs will be met. He said, if you seek me first, all things will be added unto you. Don't worry about your need, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, what you're going to do. All that stuff is already yours. Even the homeless people get free food. You notice that? Yes, sir. I, I guess I could, I, I mean, I think do an example of this. Um, in coming to Christ and being a Christian, I, I kept wanting to, I you know, just speaking to kept wanting to um, do my, my work for God. Like I kept saying, well, I can do this, I can do that. And everything came, everything, it was over two years, and all of it came to naught. It was me trying to push these things and saying, God, let me do this for you. I want to do this. I want to do this. And, <laughs> yeah. and over the last two years of, or two or three years of frustration, and it was weird because I would kind of just give, I wouldn't have, I would lose the, the fire yes. to do it. But then things would just pop up out of nowhere. Um, through creation ministry, I, I got to meet and do things for them. Yes. And I didn't push, go, I didn't try. They just popped out of nowhere. Yes, sir. And then finding this place to me also was, uh, you know, like a lucky thing. I didn't realize out of my struggles to find a, a strong con- conviction in the church, uh, this kind of this kind of came out of nowhere as well. That's right. That's a perfect example. God doesn't want you to do work for him. Now, oh, Lord, what can I do for you? Nothing. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, Lord, I want to do your thing, right? God wants us to live for him. God wants to create love through us. God wants to create heaven on earth through us. He wants us to live for him. And as you were saying, he will start having you to do the things you need to do that make everything else work. He'll put you in the right place at the right time for the right reason to do the right thing, and it'll just come naturally. It really will. Everything is already done. Remember, Christ said, it is finished. It is done. It's already done, and we're just vessels so that that can come to pass through us. That's all we are. You know, and, but people are tripping out because I just want to do the Lord's work. What work? You know, let go of all that. My question today is, nobody heard the show this week, right? All right. You heard it? You can't answer this question now. All right. 
My question is, and if food for thought is not a test, you don't get an A or F, it's just a question only to motivate you or encourage you to start knowing thyself, to know thyself. That's all this is about. So don't try to find some kind of answer that you think I want. All right? Because right away the computer is going to start working. Oh, what did he want to say? I wonder what would he say? What does he talk about all the time? And then you try to come up with these answers, all right? What is uh, man's number one enemy? There is a number one enemy uh, for all of mankind, men and women. Number one enemy. Number one. No, I can't come to you yet. No, I can't come to you yet. (laughs) I can't ask the holy people. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Man's number one enemy. He only has one number one enemy right here. Uh, my name is Jeff. I just moved to Los Angeles. Just walked across the street, came in. But is his number one enemy self-doubt? Hey, Jeff. Welcome to L.A. My name is Jesse, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what did you say? I said self-doubt. Self-doubt. Why do you say self-doubt? Because that's what I'm going through right now. You are? Yeah, because I'm... Why? What are you doubting? Well, like what you said, like everything is already done. Yeah. We're just the vessels. What yeah. happened is I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I lost my mom. I went through a situation where I have three kids. I don't have custody. She doesn't have custody. The kids right now are with her mom, and we were fighting about that, so I left Chicago. And on top of that, I have a rare liver condition. So right wow. now, I'm trying to figure out why have I been through so much because I'm 37, and i from the south side of Chicago, I made it to Los Angeles, so I'm trying to appreciate my blessings and not be so down. Wow. Uh, that's amazing that you came from all the way from Chicago to here this morning. Well, that's not what, this morning. Well, I mean, here. <laughs> this is your first time here in this, this building, This is my right? first time here. I'm right, that's what down. I mean. Yes, sir. You ended up here. Yeah. And I have the answer for you. And I'll tell you in a minute. Yes, sir. All right? I will tell you. He says self-doubt. What do you say? The number one enemy. Right. Pride. Why do you say pride? Because it's, it's, it's always there uh, causing you to fall. It's always there. Give me an example of how pride is causing you to fall. Somebody uh, will uh, say something or, um, you know, do something. And uh, at times, not all times, not all times, as you would say, <laughs> but uh, at times, it, you know, it gets me. It gets to you. Right. And you become prideful. I see. I feel the pride. Yes. Yeah. I feel okay. The, I feel the... So pride. Yes. Very interesting. Yes, sir. Have you guys thought about this before? Right now, the number one enemy. I know who. I know what is my number one enemy now. I didn't know this before. I absolutely did not know. And it's interesting how, for the last twenty-five years, I started out knowing nothing. And I still don't know anything. I'm as dumb as I was 25 years ago. But he allowed me to see. He's kind of molded me, right? And allowed me to see things I had never realized or seen before. And that's because I have a desire to know. I really do have a strong desire before anything else. I want to be a child of God. I want to know what it's like to live on earth as a son of God. And we are all sons and daughters of God. And we, we can live that way. And I want to know what that is. I don't want to wait till I die and I'm going through the white tunnel and then all of a sudden life is flashing. What good is that going to do me? I want to live it now because it's possible to do it now. All right. Yes, sir. The number one enemy. Your number one enemy is what? Um, hard to admit, but I'd say it's fear. Fear. And why is fear your enemy? What are you afraid of? Well, it can come in a million different forms, but the things that would the thing that would stop me most would be free of being afraid of something. Uh, it, but it could be called a million different things, different forms. So you, but ultimately, you're just scared. 
Oh, okay. So your fear is your number one enemy. Yeah, be, yeah. And what did, where does fear come from? Where does fear come from? Yes. According to the Bible, it comes from the devil, I guess. The devil? Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, I, the devil, I guess. According to the Bible, I would, I would say the devil. So you don't know where fear comes from for sure? No. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, did you hear the show on Friday? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go right here first. Yes, right here. The young lady in the middle. I think it's yourself or not knowing yourself. Not knowing yourself. Why do you say that? Because I think if you don't know yourself, then that, then you have pride, you have fear, you have doubt, you have all of those things. Oh, okay. Do you know yourself? <laughs> I didn't think you could ask me that. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know if you know yourself or not. I think I do, but I don't know if that. That's it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You think you do, but you're not sure. Yeah. Okay, what do you think you know about, uh, when you say I think I do, what is it about self you think you know? That makes you think you know yourself. Because I don't, I don't have fear. I don't have doubt. But I said I think I know myself because if I really, if I really fully knew myself, then I think I'd be doing a better job of following the Lord. Oh, okay. All right. Good, good. Uh, you heard the show on Friday. And you, did you hear the show? And you, so you know what I said it was, right? You said. Okay, don't say it. But you texted me and said that it was the lack of faith, I think you said, right? Yes. And what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, that's all through Scripture. Jesus upgrade. Your number one enemy is the lack of faith, right? Yes, it is. And, and why, why is that? Well, because faith is waiting on God. And my number one problem has been trying to solve my own problems instead of waiting on him to solve it for me. And uh, that's called a lack of faith. And Christ upbraids his apostles throughout Scripture for having a lack of faith. Yes. So that's and, what I think. And if you know that about yourself, why do you continue to doubt and not have faith? Wow. Yeah, good question. Um, it came to me in another, question, in another form, that same question, and that was why do I believe, you know, what I believe? And why, why, why do I do that? Yeah, I, I've asked the same thing, and I don't have an answer yet. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yes, sir. The number one enemy of mankind is what, sir? I don't know mankind, but of me, it's got to be anger. Anger. Um, and anger is an interesting thing all by itself. Um, I was trying to think of an image uh, to give you a sense of why I think it's so powerful, uh-huh. why it's my number one enemy. It's kind of like you're kind of like a locomotive with a, with a big, uh, all the coal in the back, and it, 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 anger just consumes you from the inside. The more you give it, the hotter it gets, the faster yeah. it runs, and pretty soon you're out of fuel and you're all used up. But when you don't have anger, you don't get that feeling. Um, so why don't you let it go? <laughs> because you can move awfully fast and do a lot of damage and make some stuff happen. You think you're powerful. Anger makes you feel real powerful. So you like having anger. Uh, there's, there's a pleasure behind it, yeah. You feel a pleasure behind it. There, I, I mean, totally understand You that. can destroy things. There's a tremendous feeling of power when you're destroying things, and you're calling it being competitive. You're saying yeah. you're, you're building a business, and you're destroying your competitors. It feels good, right? But that's anger. A lot of it is anger. So you don't want to let anger go then? Um, I, guess, I guess I'd have to admit that I don't. You do not want to let it go? Uh, I, I do see the damage, but when it gets right down to it, I don't want to let go of what it gets me. Um, so it gets you material things. Yeah, it gets you the needs. And material things are more important than the things of God. Yeah. Oh, okay. At least you're honest about that. Well, I don't know. It had, I mean, I can only conclude that. I, yeah. I, if I said anything else, I'd probably be lying. Right, and I don't want the lies. Uh, Ermis, you heard the show? Yes. So you know what I said it was? Yes. 
Did you, without saying what it is, do you agree or disagree with no, that? I agree. I'm sorry? I agree. Oh. I, I think I heard the final, final answer. I don't know if it was just part of the discussion, but. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yes. The number one enemy, your number one enemy is what? My number one enemy is anger, like uh, like the last person you talked to. Because whenever uh, whenever I feel I feel so imp uh, cannot do anything uh, anything right, that's when the anger begins. But you know that anger is pride, right? Yes. And you know that anger is of your father, the devil, right? Yes. And you know that as you're angry, you're serving your father, the devil, right? Correct. And that God has nothing to do with you, right? Right. Because you can only serve one God. Yeah. So yeah. why not let anger go? In my, in my case. You I want to be angry? I don't want to be angry, but I don't want to be helpless. Oh, so without the anger, you feel helpless? In a way, I do. Many and, people take, uh, it seems like people take, uh, take drugs because, uh, you know. No, not that don't be, go with the people taking the drugs. So you want to be angry because without anger, you feel helpless. That's what, uh, Helpless that, to what? Or to whom? To everyone around me. Everyone? Yes. And, and with that anger, you feel strong to, uh, against everyone around you. Yes. And so is it working for you? No. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. All right. That's what I'm here for, to tell you something else to do. Thank you. Do you want to take a stab at it with the hat on inside the house? I think the number one enemy is uh, the liberal media. So what? The liberal media that <laughs> is the number one enemy. No, so, <laughs> oh, it must be a conservative, huh? I was only, I'm, I'm only kidding. Um, yeah, I know. No, I, th I, think, uh, I think it's self, um, you know, self-doubt, self-confidence. Um, you know, doubting faith, like Martin was talking about. I think it's a. Uh, I think it's multifaceted. I think there's a lot of things going on, but I think um, all of that, you know, anger, faith, um, all that contributes together to make you. Um, I don't know, not complete. Like mm -hmm. if you put your hands in God first. He'll take care of everything, like you're saying, but in life, it's just, it's, it's tough. Um, so you have all those things going on within yourself, right? Yeah. And you believe that if you put your life in God's hand, you wouldn't have to go through all that. Yeah. So why don't you put your life in God's hand, hands, if you believe that that's the answer? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm working on. And it's hard to do that, to just let that go and, and let God? Um. It's hard to do because, uh, I mean, then I have to get into the personal reasons, but I guess I should probably do the uh, man's meeting to really uh, tell you everything that's going on. But So it's hard to do because of somebody else or something else? Yeah. But you can't blame, no human being can stop you from doing that. It's not um, anybody else's fault but yours or anything else's fault but yours. Yeah, I mean, that's true to a point, but... No, uh, it's true 100%. Nobody can stop you from coming to God. Yeah. Nobody. No thing, nobody. Well, it's just... Um, um, it's just tough right now. Um, Do you pray? Yeah. You pray every day? Yeah. Every morning? Not every morning, but I so do pray. So you don't pray then? Yeah, I do pray. Why not every morning? Uh, I don't know. Because God said, get up and come to me early in the morning. Seek me early. First day in the morning. Why don't you do that? And I'm not badgering you or judging you. I'm just asking for... Yeah. Uh, good question. I, I try to be close to God as possible, but some days I, I don't pray because of everything that's going on. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like what we're talking about, the anger, the faith. You know, it's uh, a lot of things going on. And all that is keeping you from praying every morning. 
Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be, but it is. And you blame that for you, for you not getting up and praying. You, you blame yeah. those things. Uh, I don't know if I, if I blame those things, but... Um, You know that your wife is not to blame too, right? Yeah, I know. You're 100% sure about that. Yeah. You know the dog and the cat is not to blame. Yep. You know your children are not to blame. You know that the white man is not to blame. Yep. (laughs) So it's with you. (laughs) So it's with you. It's all with you. It's all up to you. The one thing I love about life now I know for a fact nobody else has control of my life. Nobody else has control of my life. It's all up to me. Totally up to me. And Christ made it that way. It's totally up to me. Yes, the number one, the number one enemy of mankind is what? I I thought about this. Number one enemy for man are, is uh, your thoughts, your mind. Number one enemy for me are my thoughts. My thoughts are there to make me angry. They're there to make me depressed, make me uh, fearful. And they're there to tempt me. They're there when I'm asleep. They're there when I'm awake. They're there 24 hours a day. 100%. The number one enemy of mankind is his or her thoughts. His or her thoughts, number one. Because with those thoughts come doubt, come fear, come anxiety, come worry, come sexual bad habits, come overeating, come everything, depression, everything come with those thoughts. Your number one enemy is your thought or thoughts. Isn't that amazing? Your thoughts are your number one enemy. That's why God said we should pray and watch. Pray and watch. You should be like the man standing at the gate waiting for his master to come home. Be ready when he comes. The number one enemy for mankind is his thoughts. I never knew that until recently. I did not know that until recently. And so, like, God is kind of winding everything, bringing everything in so I can understand it. You know, because when I first became a Christian, I thought just like everybody else thought, oh, it's, it's fear, it's doubt, it's this and that. All those things are a problem, but if you were not connected to your thoughts, you would not have any of those things interfering with your life. None of them. Thoughts are straight out of hell. The thoughts are all about the ego. The thoughts are the ones that make you feel puffed up or make you feel lower than or make you feel better than or make you do these things. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have this pride, this ego thing going on. It comes as a result of thoughts. Thoughts are your main enemy. And what you're dealing with, uh, the best way to handle the liberal problem, the problem with the wife and the kids, or the mother-in-law, the cat, the dog, the white man. You hate white people too? Nah. Uh, <laughs> no, sir. I ain't saying that. Yeah. The best way to deal with your liberal pro- liver problem and everything else is to count it all as joy. Be grateful for it. Because the reason that you have these, this liver problem going on or anything else, God is trying to get your attention. And so he's brought, allowed these things to come up on you so that you could focus on him and not on yourself and the world around you. Maybe those things would uh, cause you to cry out to him instead of crying out to the world around you. Looking here, looking there, rather than going inside and looking for the answer. So remember Paul said um, God has put up on him a burden or a pain that he can't seem to get rid of, something like that. And 
he had been trying to get rid of, but he realized it was for the good that he got that because it caused him to focus on God rather than everything else around him. The pain of it made him cry out to God, but if the pain wasn't there, he may forget to keep the focus on God and trusting in him. So whatever your pain is, if you're a liar, if you're a thief, if you are a drunk, if you're out of control sexually, if you're uh, crazy about food, if you're angry, if you are whatever, 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 it, be glad about that and come into the now, come into the presence of God. Let those things bring you to God rather than being angry and frustrated about it, trying to get rid of those things. Because some people say, oh, I'm mad because I'm a liar. I don't want to be no liar. I'm just frustrated. And the more I try to overcome being a liar, I just become a bigger liar. You ever notice that? Oh, I don't want to be an alcoholic. And I'm mad about being an alcoholic. I try not to drink. I'm not going to drink anymore. And then they go home and drink a gallon of 440. <laughs> He's pointing at his wife. <laughs> but I didn't know until recently if you're going through this thing with your wife and kids, right? You lose it. The men lose their kids nowadays. And they just trip out about losing the kids, right? And it is because it hurt to lose your kids. It hurt to lose your family. But let that hurt bring you to God instead of fighting with the stupid wife. I'm talking about the stupid wife that do those things, you know, because all women are not like that. But the men get, they get, they just trip out, right? But even the pain of losing your children should bring you to God. You should rejoice in that. Yeah, I love my child. I lost all my children right on. No, not like that. (laughs) But the pain of it should bring you to God. That's what it's for. And then healing is possible. Being restored in your family is possible. All things are possible. If you let those things bring you to God rather than fighting and tripping out about it or judging yourself about it or hating the people who are doing it, who is now doing it, who are doing it to you. It's supposed to bring you to God. I had never realized that before. And most people don't, do not realize that. Isn't that cool? What do you think about that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. The mic. I believe you're exactly telling the truth. Yes. Because something brought me through that front door today. Yes, sir. That's why when you said that, I'm like, yeah, right on, God. You saw me else. <laughs> <laughs> but your focus should not be Anything else but that at this point. Yes, sir. Let it go. Come to God and all things are possible. Yes, sir. But if you fight for it and fight for it, you're going to run out of money trying to get it. You're going to have a headache. You can't sleep at night. But it's all because the thoughts. You know how sometimes you can be doing really well in life. Your thoughts are not bothering you. Everything seems to be fine, right? And then something happens, you know. You hear bad news or something happening right away. It throws you off key, and now you're in your head again, tripping on that, losing your way, rather than even if you do slip out of, out of the consciousness of God, you come back to, to God, now your mind got you again. Now you're feeling the pain, you can't sleep, you can't eat, because your thoughts have pulled you back into darkness once again. And if you can realize that, you can come back to him. But if you go with those thoughts, believe in them, all it's going to do is just drag you down deeper and deeper and deeper into them until you just become a mess. And then when you drag down like that, it awaken all of your passions. Now you want to eat. Now you want to drink. Now you want to party. Now you want to call up Aunt Sue. You don't even want to talk to Aunt Sue. But you just, all your passions have been awakened because you've gone back in darkness, the darkness of your imagination. That's why God said we have to bring every imagination into captivity. Bring every imagination into captivity because our imagination is our enemy, not our friends. There's no such thing as a true thought. It doesn't exist. Oh, why y'all looking crazy? 
This is supposed to be like good news. Yes, sir. You pretty much answered it, but what I was going to say was how in the heat of the battle do you focus on God? Good question, man. In the heat of the battle, you just stay calm and become aware of thoughts. And by being aware of thoughts, because it's God who allows you to be aware of thought, your focus is back on him. Never mind what you feel. Never mind the anxiety that you feel. Pay that no mind because that's not you. The pain that you feel in your body is not you. You are not your body. The pain that you feel in your body is awakened by the thoughts and it deals with your pride and bring on fear, bring on doubt. So you're feeling the pain in your physical body, but it's not the spirit of who you are. The real you is not feeling that. The ego you, the not you, is feeling the pain. So become aware of the thoughts. Just simply be aware. And you may still have them, but just know everything you're feeling is about the thoughts and the body and not about who you are. That's not who you are. And then go on with your day. It's not who you are, but most people feel the pain, and right away they start saying, oh, I'm depressed. You know, I got anxiety. I got this and I got that. You're naming it, and by naming it, you're owning it because life and death is in the power of the tongue. You shall become what you say. And so the moment you say, oh, I'm depressed, now you, got, you need a pill or you need a drink or you need some love making or something, right? But if you just don't name it, just watch it because it's a spiritual battle going on, the Holy Spirit will kick in and start fighting for you on your behalf. So you have this inner war going on, and you're the observer of the war. There's nothing else you can do about it. But you've got to become the observer. You've got to be the watchman. You've got to watch. You've got to observe. Yes, ma'am. Is this fun or what? It is. Y'all don't look like it. So when I realized it, I was like, oh, happy? Yes. Uh, my question is, so is imagination a byproduct of ego, or is your ego a byproduct of your imagination? The imagination is a byproduct. The ego is a byproduct of the imagination. Because if you didn't have the imagination, you wouldn't have the ego going on. The imagination pumps you up. It can tell you how wonderful you are. You just feel wonderful, <laughs> right? And then it can come and tell you how awful you are. Now you just feel awful. Then it can tell you both, and now you're confused. So it's a, it's a, uh, the imagination is the, by, the uh, ego is the byproduct of the imagination. If you didn't get into the imagination, you want to have the ego going on. Yes, sir. Did you have a question? I, I was trying to make a distinction between the thoughts. How you said all your thoughts are your, but I kind of figured it out while I was while I was listening. What did you come up with? It was my f- initial question was, what about the thoughts in the present? But those aren't technically wouldn't be thoughts. That's right. If you're in thoughts in the present, then you're not in present. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this good news or what? So I want you to rejoice in your tribulation, and I want you to start praying. You get up every morning early. I, I, I urge you to do that. It's up to you. But I will start now putting my focus on seeking God. I will get up every morning and pray, and then I will watch the thoughts, how they're trying to put fear in you, how they're trying to cause you to doubt, how they're trying to cause you to get mad by giving you situations that happen and all that kind of stuff. Because whatever has happened in the past is done. It's over. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, The Bible says I once was a child, and I acted like a child. And now I'm an adult. I act like an adult. Because the child is now dead and gone. The child doesn't exist anymore. All it is is what you are right now. But it'll make you think about how your wife said this and that, and you get mad. You won't have any compassion for her. And you got to have compassion for others and not think of yourself. The one thing about coming in with God, one with God, you stop thinking about yourself. You think about your enemy. You, you wish them well. Those who are trying to hurt you, you wish them well. 
because you know that if they could do better, they would. If they, if they could see, they would not be doing the things that they are doing to you. So you can't be mad at your enemy. You have to have compassion for your enemy. You have to love your enemy. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is not thinking of yourself. When somebody is just going after you, going after you, they want to hurt you, you pray for that person. Pray for that person. Don't try to hurt that person or wish that person well, I mean, harm. You pray for them. God got your back. You don't have to worry. Because you're not thinking of yourself like God thought of us, not himself. So he sent his only begotten son that we, the poor sinners who were lost, could be free. He sent somebody else to suffer for us. So who are we that we shouldn't suffer for others? So when you get mad when someone is whatever, doing their crazy thing toward you, you're not thinking of that person. You're thinking of yourself. That's all pride, all ego. You don't love that other person. I, I believe in, in this world today, or at least in this country, you can't find 10 people who truly love someone else. You can't find 10 who truly love someone else because they don't know what it means, first of all. And the way you can tell that they don't love you, let something go wrong. Oh, I love you. You're so wonderful. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my wife. You're my husband. You're my friend, right? And as soon as something goes wrong, they're the first one to turn on you. They don't pray for you. (laughs) They don't pray for you. They turn on you. They don't stay by your side and pray for you and work it out. They're done with you. Isn't that sad? But yet they say they love you. I know families right now that cannot come together because they do not love one another, yet they claim they do. But they don't pray for one another. They go after one another. We all have sinned and come short. No one has a right to go after anyone. You have a right to pray for your fellow man. How many of you have prayed for someone who was trying to destroy you or didn't like you? Only four people. Five, six. Can I get a seven? No. No. Uh, I saw some hands. Let me take here first. Yes, sir. When you pray for others who are trying to hurt you, it doesn't hurt you anymore. You don't feel it anymore. You just have this great love and compassion for your fellow man. And people fall in and out of relationship all all day long. But they and they everybody walking around talking about how I love you. I hear people on the phone with their children, right? Or with their husband or wife. And at the end of the conversation, I love you. I'm like, stop lying. <laughs> okay, now everybody's saying, I love you. Nobody loves nobody. It's just a saying that everyone says. Now, have you noticed that? They say it with the kids on the way to school. Goodbye, Johnny. I love you. <laughs> and when Johnny gets home, all hell break loose. <laughs> It's amazing. We do not have love for one another. It's pretty sad. I know we're laughing about it, but it's pretty sad. Yes, sir. So would you say that, uh, that the tree that Adam, the, the forbidden fruit, and the tree is incorrectly called the tree of knowledge when it should be called the tree of thought? What? <laughs> because didn't he come to Adam with, with this thought? Who? Satan. But thoughts are from Satan. Right, but, I mean, knowledge doesn't seem to be an evil thing, just a tool. But yet it's uh, called uh, the tree of knowledge. Knowledge is, that we a tool. From. knowledge is a tool toward wisdom. Once you get wisdom, then knowledge needs to go away. Right. Because, but the problem is a lot of people get knowledge... And they hold on to the knowledge and don't allow wisdom to come. And they're running around town quoting the knowledge, never getting the wisdom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe so why, knowledge can be good if perceived in the right way. You know, I found that um, when I let go of thought, there just seems to be 
a peaceful vacuum. That's beautiful. Just, right, but then there's... There is no but. There's no direction. Yes, there is. Maybe I just haven't been with it long enough. <laughs> yeah. There is no direction in thought. There is no... There's direction in emptiness. Well, I disagree. There is direction in thought, but there's like five different directions. You get going in one direction, well, that's no direction you, and then it'll give you three or four other choices. That's not direction. Right. God's way is straight and narrow. The path is straight and narrow. Direction and thought is every which way. Every, here, there, yonder, every which way. You want that straight and narrow path. You want to live that way. That makes sense? Uh, I'll take you at the end right here. And then I got to read something to you. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. You know, um, thoughts that he's talking about are only good when God takes the veils off your eyes and allows you to see. Because the idiots and fools and evil people, they have thoughts. And sometimes they're doing something that's, that's, that's right and good, but they're still evil. It's only when God allows you to see, that, see these uh, things that you are wise. Yeah. Thank you. Put the cap on inside the building. No, 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 no. You represent you. Oh, you ashamed of your bald head? No, not at all. Oh, a man without hair is crazy, so be proud. Um. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. Go ahead. Two weeks ago, um, the thing that Martin was talking about, uh, when the thoughts aren't there, it's like it seems like there's Hold nothing. Hold it to your mouth like this, buddy. It seems like when the thoughts aren't there, there's no direction. Yes. Uh, within the last two weeks, I realized that there is direction. It's just we need to wait. And it, does, it, it can be a second. It can be an hour. It can be a week. Whatever it is, if you wait, not only will you see clearly what to do, you'll see all the steps that come along with it, too. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Um, come and read this for me. You want 7 through 10? Start here and end right there, right? I'll hold it for you. Wherefore, so that I should not get above myself, I was given a thorn, uh, thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan uh, to batter me and prevent me from getting above myself. About this, I have three times pleaded with the Lord that it might leave me, but he has answered me. My grace is enough for you, for power is at full uh, stretch in weakness. It is then about my weaknesses that I'm happiest of all to boost, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me and that is why I'm glad of weaknesses, insults, constraints, pre, uh, pre, <laughs> pre, persecution, sorry, and distress for Christ's sake, for it is when I am weak that I am strong. Isn't that deep? So all these things, get it back to him, all those things that you're mad about, your weaknesses, this, 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 you should be proud of that because when you're weak is when you're strong. But we see weakness as a, we see our weakness as a downfall. So we're mad about them, and we're trying to get rid of them. We're trying to overcome them, and we're trying to this. That's when you're the strongest, when you can recognize your weakness. And you're not going to be able to feel this or taste it. You'll just see your life working for you. And you see yourself sincerely drawing closeness to God, understanding why you're going through what you're going through, and that your focus has been wrong. Your focus has been judging yourself for your weakness and trying to overcome that. That's why when people come to me for counseling, whatever it may be, I tell them, look, don't try to get over your problem. Seek God and all things will be added. These problems, the pain of them is what causes you to cry out to God. Not trying to get over them. So many people are frustrated because they cannot overcome and that's why God didn't take it away from Paul. And Paul began to realize, wow, this is a good thing. I always thought it was a bad thing, this thorn in my side that was put up on me by Satan. And I've, I've said to God, and I've heard so many people say, 
you know, God, why don't you remove this from me? You know, you know I don't want to be angry. You know that I didn't make myself this way. If you want me to be away from anger, why don't you take it away? And then God doesn't take it away. And then eventually they stop believing in God because they think, well, you know, he didn't take it away. He wants you to have it so you can keep the focus on him. That makes sense. Who doesn't, who does that? I mean, anybody here that doesn't see that? Good. I want you to remember these things because I want you to be free. If you are shy, that's a good thing. That's a weakness that will cause you to come into the present and cry out to God to overcome. Or not even cry out to him to overcome it, but just go to him, pray and watch. Pray and watch. If you have a liver problem, come to God. Don't try to overcome the liver thing because Satan is going to use thoughts against you. You're going to die. You're going to this. You're not going to be around for your kids. I'm not, you're not going to be able to see your grandkids, go to the prom, all that kind of dumb stuff, you know. Who want to stay alive to see some kids go to a prom? <laughs> That's not a reason to be alive. That costs a lot of money nowadays. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to be alive. Oh, Lord, please remove my cancer. I want to be alive because I want to see my kids go to the prom. And then it's time to come to go to the prom. You don't even have the money to pay for it. And now the kids are hating you because they can't go to the prom. Or go in the way they want. They want a limousine. They want a helicopter. They want alcohol in the limousine. Uh, One other thing I want to share with you real fast. Go to 2 Timothy 3.12. And Pat, I want you to read that for me, please. Uh, 2 Is this helping at all? Are you seeing things a little differently now? Um, So do you see, let let me talk right here with the mic. So how do you see your situation now prior to when you walked into this room? Oh, I always saw it as a man of God. Because this is what I was taught as a young kid. But coming to L.A., I'm a transplant, so nobody understands the anger that I may express while I'm walking down the street by myself or why I'm probably cussing myself out walking from the bus stop to the house. Yeah. But, yes, I completely understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it is my thoughts. That's right. But when you're in a place where you know five people and everybody judges you from the time you walk out your house. Yes, sir. And there's days that I'll put on the same outfit just because I'm a veteran. If I could wear BDUs the rest of my life, that's all I would put on. Right on. So, yes, sir, I definitely understand what you're saying, and I appreciate your words. Thank you. Yes. And now that you know this about the thoughts, you're just going to observe them, and you won't find yourself walking down the street cursing and yes, at sir. yourself or anybody. Looking crazy. I know it is. <laughs> it's crazy. insane. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Um, what did I ask for? Second Timothy three twelve. Three twelve. Three twelve. Okay, so just start with uh, three, chapter three, verse ten, Patrick. And read all the way through 13. You, though, have followed my teaching, my way of life, my aims, my faith, my patience and my love, my perseverance and the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in places like Antioch, Iconinium, Lystra, all the persecutions I have endured. And the Lord has rescued me from every one of them. But anybody who tries to live in devotion to Christ is certain to be persecuted. While these wicked imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and themselves deceived. So as you become aware of these thoughts, when you start to truly see that they're all lies, that they are not your friends, they're not your thoughts, they're not from God, Satan is going to get busy with you. He's going to get busy But even in that, 
Be okay about that too. Because as you watch him, he has no authority. He has no control. He has nothing over you at all but deception through thoughts. That's all he has. And if you can watch him, um, then he can't deceive you. The one thing I mentioned that, the one thing I noticed too is that we can be watching, you know, watching the thoughts and watch, you know, watching the devil. And as soon as something comes and shakes us up, we forget all about watching. Have you noticed that? Now we're mad, we're worried, we just throw us off track. We forget to watch. And so we just thrown off track, and now we reach out for our passions to make us feel better. You know, you know, you get drunk and you forget about the pain. Or you do this and you forget about the pain. You go to the refrigerator and you forget about the pain. It just throws us off and our, our passions come about. But if you can take a moment when that happens and just sit quietly or just be aware, you come back and you won't reach out to your passions. All right? Just take that moment, be still and know him. And I urge you to pray. Pray and watch. And God will fight our battles for us. And there is nothing on earth that can destroy us. This is why when some people go through scandals and things like that, they don't really make it through it because their mind is now the thoughts are working on them. And everybody have turned against them, especially the people that were closest to them. And now they're thinking their world have ended. It has ended, right? And so the devil just get busy. You know, you might well kill yourself. You're not going to make it through this. And they feel that grief, pain that comes with all that. And they end up taking their lives because they don't understand that the enemy is roaming about the earth. The spirit uh, wickedness is roaming about the earth to see who it can devour. And it'll just turn everybody away from you. You'll get more into your imagination and it's over for you. Right here, uh, John. So even, so even when you have good thoughts, it doesn't matter? No such thing as good thought. It doesn't matter. No, it just, it builds you up just to let you down. It builds you up and tell you a lie to tell you the truth. It tell you the lie, but they're all lies. You want revelation. You want to live by revelation, not by the imagination. It, it'll come as the light by pretending that it's giving you some good truth. It'll remind you of something that really did happen in the past and say, hey, look what happened. So here are the results of that. And now you get all nervous and scared. You're trying to fix it and do it right. And you're making that destruction come rather than just being still and knowing God and let him work it out for you. No such thing as true thought, because those things that has already that have already happened, they are dead and gone. It's already done. Even if people are still trying to hurt you. It's still something that is in the past, and all you have is right now. Right now is fine. All is well. So good thoughts. Don't exist. They don't exist. No. So if you have a good thought about your kid or something, you're happy about something your, your kid did, let and you're go. thinking about it, it doesn't matter. No, let that go. Because as soon as you had a good thought about your kid, they're going to come right in and mess it up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> and now it's all bad thoughts. Is that true? Yep, yep. Yeah, so no, let all, anything that comes through the imagination, let it pass. Oh, I feel so good about Susan. She made all A's. And then, God forbid, she make a B on the next test. It's over for Susan. (laughs) What happened to you? (laughs) What did I do wrong? I, I spent all this money, and you make a B? But let mommy, last month you loved me. I had all A's. <laughs> so let it all go. It's all a setup. Isn't that amazing? Your thoughts are your number one enemy. It'll take whatever it can and use it against you. Last question, real fast. Okay. Um, thank you. I'm trying to understand it better, uh, yes. what you're telling me. And uh, okay, so. Uh, Martin and actually that uh, uh, young lady there, I forgot your name. When we were glasses. Real fast, we have 30 okay. seconds. She, she said thoughts, uh, the ego is a byproduct of thoughts. Right. Right? Yes. So in the garden, the, uh, when, when uh, Eve was tempted, tempted, 
evil was in the outside, and it was the thoughts that led the energetic uh, entity inside she of her. She believed the lie. He kept right. coming until she finally believed that she could be God. So it came as thoughts, and then it got inside of her. Yes. And then it became, because the ego feels like an energetic entity. I'm out of time. Okay. Thank you so much for such a wonderful question. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for coming. <laughs> For more information, to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.